Hello, and again, welcome to BitDepth. I'm Santiago Ramones. Across from me is... I am Perry Ramsey. Uh, I'm a podcast host, uh, musician, and during the day I work as a teaching assistant at a high school. Cool. <laughs> that actually just answers my next question, which is, what, <laughs> what do you do? Um, but I guess, which of these do you consider to be like your primary passion? It So it, it does fluctuate a little bit because uh, I would say for a long time uh musician was like the thing that i always was looking forward to doing as i got older um i was an athlete most of my life growing up but music was already o- always like a second second thing for me and then i i had a few things happen where i wasn't able to play sports anymore and during that time i uh played a lot of music and that became like my main focus for a long time but um, as I got older, I, I started to busy myself more instead of focusing on music. I started to mm-hmm. try like other things. And I started to realize that the goal wasn't necessarily to like live on music, but it was to like use music as like, um, like a passion or like a hobby. And um, if it does take off in a certain way, then that's great. But there was also other things that I wanted to put focus into. So I was like, I'm not going to put all my chips into that plate. <laughs> and uh, so uh, over the, over time with a bunch of different major changes and college and stuff, I um, realized that I wanted to become a teacher. So that's why I'm doing the teaching assistant while I finish up school. Um, and it's in an, I'm working at a program with kids that this is the last stop before they're kicked out of high school. So it's kind of like if they don't make it there and you're not like on them 24 seven about like trying to get work done, you try to like focus them, get them motivated to like actually want to be in school. Um, they drop out and that's, that's that kind of thing. So, um, that's, that's a fun thing, you know, like in a way to like connect with the kids and like try to be able to be that person for them that they might've not had, um, and all that. But, and then re- more recently, podcasting has become kind of like this this new thing for me i started listening to podcasts like a year and a half ago and i was like this is this is great it's just people talking about stuff that i want to listen to (laughs) and i was like yeah i was like i think i could do that so i tried it with one of my friends with a movies tv show like video games like whatever and uh we we did it like a few episodes and stuff and uh he got he got pretty busy um he he's doing grad school and working full time. So he was like, I can't, I can't make this work. And I was like, totally understand. We're not like making money off of this or anything. So, um, but then I made my podcast, which is called off topic, um, where I pretty much do something similar to what you're doing, where I talk to a guest, um, interview him a little bit, and then we just see where the conversation goes. Um, you have a little bit more of a focus that like, um, that you had said, um, you do, but mine was, I just, that was like where I wanted to go with it. And I, that's why when I saw yours, I was like, Oh, that's really interesting that he gets right Mm -hmm. to like, why do you do things? And I was like, Oh, great. I can't, I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) Well, cool. And that's exactly where, uh, although was there more because you do so many things. I don't know if like you finished (laughs) saying the things, but (laughs) yeah, yeah, no, that that's, 
that's essentially it. I mean, I make uh, me and one of my friends want to do like gaming videos because I, I love editing. I don't so much mm. like I don't think I'm entertaining enough <laughs> or funny <laughs> enough to like be uh, like those guys like Ninja or whatever that make gaming videos. Um, but I love editing them. Like if you gave me like a video and said, make this entertaining and the person is somewhat funny, like I can, I can try to make it work and I would enjoy trying to make it work. Um, but other than that, like I usually stick to like saying, yeah, I play music. I do this podcast and I'm a teaching assistant kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So since these are all fluctuating, I'll just pick one. Yeah. Uh, How did you first (laughs) get started in music? So I was about three or four um, when my parents made me and my two older sisters start piano. Um, I had, I was, I was naturally like, I I could pick it up pretty quick. Um, That was Mm. something that um, they, like everybody kind of noticed like pretty quickly. Like my teacher was like, Oh, he picks it up pretty nice. He, he has really good muscle memory kind of thing. I couldn't read very quick um, when it came to like reading, but as soon as I played it two or three times, it was, it was stuck in my brain, um, which has been a thing like that continued when I uh, got farther and farther into it. Um, so I played piano for a bit and then in elementary school, I don't, I don't know if you've had, you had to do this as well, but you have to pick an instrument in like fourth grade to play. Mm. Um, and my first one that I wanted to play was drums. And then my second naturally. pick, yeah, <laughs> I, I know I wanted to play the drums so bad. Um, naturally. And then, uh, I, and then my second choice was trumpet and my third choice was saxophone. And if I had gotten either of those two first ones, my first choices, um, I would have never fell in love with the saxophone, which mm. I am very thankful for. <laughs> um, so I, I got, I got in, in my fourth grade, I was so upset that I got stuck with the saxophone, but then, um, we have like a town ta- talent show and I saw somebody play come together on their saxophone for like their talent. That was, that was their act. So they played come together by the Beatles. And that was the moment a, that I found out about the Beatles. <laughs> and B, that was the moment that I found out that the saxophone was cool. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so that was, uh, and then I as and then when I got into middle school, um, I kind of I kind of didn't like playing the saxophone as much. I didn't like practicing was my biggest part. I didn't like the music yeah. we were playing. I didn't like it. I didn't like learning the stuff that I was learning because I was like, where's the application? That was my mm-hmm. biggest thing. I was like, what am I learning these scales for if you're not going to tell me what it's for? They're like, yeah. oh, it's to get you better. But like better for what like what am i going to use this for tell me tell me what the end is so that i can i have a goal to not just say you need to practice three times a week to get better it's like Mm -hmm. well what am i getting better for Mm -hmm. and then uh so i i i was like well maybe it's not just maybe it's just a saxophone that i'm like i need to learn something else so um i got an acoustic guitar and in like seventh grade or something so this is like 14 years ago 13 years ago and took a few took like a month's worth of lessons so like four or five lessons and learned the guy was awesome he was a great teacher he was like i'm gonna teach you how to play a song and teach you why 
like it is the way that it is, you know, mm-hmm. instead of saying, here's some scales, learn the scales. Yeah. All the boring stuff. He was like, I'm going to teach you a song and then teach you the theory behind it. And I was like, this sounds great. I'm going to learn a song that I want to play and understand it, you know, like, yeah. And, uh, so he did that and I started playing it and it kind of became a thing like for me, I started getting like a little better, but I, I hit a wall and I wasn't willing to like spend the time to break through it. So I was basically just playing like the open chords and just kind of like chilling with that. Not really like taking, taking it to the next level, really um, learned a few bar chords and stuff like that. But um, at that point in my life, like athletics were like the thing. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was what was important um, for me at least. And so I picked up like the drums a little bit, like naturally, just like my cousin was a musician as well. So when I visited him for like family stuff, he like showed me stuff on the drums and cause he's a f- phenomenal drummer mm-hmm. um, and a uh, phenomenal musician, like just in general. <laughs> but so I learned a lot from him and then it wasn't until I, I, I learned like stuff along the way, but it, like I said, it wasn't anything important. Long story short, senior year of my high school year, um, I got a concussion of one of the practices for football and it knocked me out of school for like a month and a half. Like I wasn't able to do anything. And I was in like that place where I was like, like it just got taken away from me. Like that whole, like that whole, like, uh, kind of not. And I felt really sorry for myself at that point, which I don't now, which is important. (laughs) Um, but I, the only thing that did not hurt my brain was playing guitar, um, like music just in general. Like if I had a keyboard that didn't hurt my brain, music didn't hurt my brain. Mm. And so I just sat around and played guitar for hours, just all day. That's what I did. I learned like probably four or five songs a day, like just Mm. constantly trying to learn new stuff. Um, I will say that, uh, (laughs) <laughs> it's also that's also about the time that I, I became a Dave Matthews fan to like a Dave <laughs> Matthews fanboy because yeah. all those electric or those acoustic guitar riffs um mm-hmm. they blew my mind and then learning them mm-hmm. and learning how to sing with them was uh was more than I could handle at that point I was like whoa <laughs> mm-hmm. there's so much more to this guitar than uh these regular guitar these regular chords that everybody plays mm-hmm. um so that's where I kind of broke through that uh, like line of not really being a musician, but being able to play guitar. Like, cause there's, a, you know, there's like that distinct difference oh, yeah. of like being able to play guitar and then being an actual musician. Um, and like in everybody get, has to break through that point at some point if they, if they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that's kind of, and then over the years, the last like five or six years I went from not singing in front of anybody ever like when I graduated high school to now I'm uh I was basically I I, me and like the few guys in my band we um we all trade uh vocals but um I'm usually the guy that gets (laughs) gets held the song (laughs) like gets handed the song and is like oh you can try singing this Harry Styles yeah you sound just like a man you got it (laughs) (laughs) um 
so it, it's it's been a really cool thing because now it's something that um it's very if it, since i haven't been able to gig as much it's been one of those things where it feels like you don't have like something to do you know like it's like yeah. i in the spring when everything closed down we had at least a gig every week from march to july um yeah. and that all got like knocked out and not only that but it was like good money that i was not going to be making anymore which was yeah. a big bummer because we just got yeah. to the point my band just got to the point where we we're like making solid money like per gig which was great because we had been like <laughs> we had been like kind of like scraping the bottom of the barrel for the last two years and then finally like we got enough reputation and enough like clout so to speak um to be able to ask for more money and then we were all like oh <laughs> yeah but uh but it is what it is i it it but it does it does stink that we we haven't been able to practice because um my guitarist is also in quarantine right now and then i'm in uh quarantine until i get test results back and then uh people go like people can't see each other and all this stuff so but barely been able to practice barely haven't been able to gig in the last like month or so so um that's where it's at but that's where i got started and that's how i am now <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um well first sort of quick side note where'd you grow up but then also like tell me about your band Okay. So I grew up right at a smaller town right outside of uh, Schenectady, New York. It's about 30 minutes north of Albany and about 20 minutes south of Saratoga. If you're trying to, if, any, if anybody knows anything about New York, um, <laughs> but my, me and my band generally play in Schenectady. Um, we've played a few times in places in Saratoga. Um, it's a little bit of a closed circle when it comes to like some places like Albany is the same way. It's tough to break through that inner circle of like just rotating bands. Um, but that's kind of like the next step of like meeting people, breaking through that, meeting a bar owner and all that stuff. But yeah. so my band essentially is like a Schenectady, like Schenectady traveler. Um, we bounce around the bars there. We play, um, anything from like the sixties to a few songs that are like modern, like, like I said, Harry Styles earlier, we play uh, watermelon sugar. Um, yeah. we started playing that cause everybody and their mother loves that song. And, yeah. uh, but we love playing. Like if we, if somebody was to say, Hey, we're just going to get a bunch of people. They have to listen to you and they have to enjoy it. What are you going to play? we're going to play a lot of grateful dead. We're going to play a lot of Jimi Hendrix. We're going to turn mm -hmm. up the stereo a little bit, you know, like we're going to have a good time. Um, but we like to jam. Like that's like, that's a, we, we understand that we have a crowd to please, so we can't do it too much. Um, but if we had our way, we would be playing like 12 minute songs and <laughs> having people go like, like, like Woodstock, mm -hmm. just having a good time, like vibing to it. Cause that's, that's, that's where we find our creativeness is through that. Um, so we try to find it in different ways within the covers that we're doing and stuff. Um, but a lot of it, uh, a lot of it kind of is like, ah, uh, we shouldn't do a solo here. Even like we shouldn't necessarily go too long here. And we're like, uh, all right. But yeah, we, we, yeah. but we have a good time either way. It's a lot of fun. Hmm. Uh, kind of 
it seems like you have a lot of similarities. Like you said, like the, the your three was like drums, then trumpet, then saxophone. Mine yeah. was actually drums, then trumpet, then trombone. I played oh, okay. trombone <laughs> in middle school. And nice. so very similar in that front. But I, I, I still have always felt like I should have been a drummer. And I still kind of <laughs> have that like desire to like have drums, but like drums mm-hmm. don't fit in this room. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> but okay. So I guess, how did you, I guess, get to the point to where it's like music is a, a part of my life and not my whole life. And I guess how hard was that decision? But like, how did you get there? Um, <laughs> I, it was really tough to kind of, because it's, it's, it's not that I've thrown it away. It's that mm. I accept that unless I decide to make it everything, I'm, it's not going to be everything. So if I have four other things that I want to do, if I also want to teach people, or if I also want to do a podcast, if I also want to do videos, if I want to make a short movie or something at some point, like whatever I want to do, um, that music is, can't be the only thing anymore. Mm-hmm. And until that becomes my only like obsession when it comes to like getting something done or being creative, then it'll probably work out where I can, cause there's a, there's a few people around this area who play three to four shows a week, like when everything's normal granted right um (laughs) they play three to four shows a week and they make enough where they live off of that they spend the next like they spend three days of the week not they work part-time and then they gig and make a, a good amount of money the other three nights of the week or whatever so it's never it's never thrown off the table but until i decide that that's going to be the only thing like music will be the only thing i accept mm-hmm that it's not going to be any more than what it is now in that sense. Yeah. So it's, it's, and I'm, I, I, I'm glad I feel young enough to like say, Oh, I got time. You know, mm-hmm. like if I'm like 35 and I'm like, I've been playing like gigging for years, like just as a side thing, but now like everything else just kind of isn't at like all those other creative things that I wanted to do just aren't as important anymore. But music is the one that stuck around like, can I see if this can work? That'll be, I think the moment, but right now there, I have too much like of that youthful, like energy to like, I think to focus on one thing until it kind of, the door opens to show me that that should be the only thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, you kind of mentioned your podcast and it's funny. Cause like, even just looking into it, I was like, Oh, this is a lot like my podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh but like, I guess you you had mentioned why you kind of wanted to start it, but I guess like a little bit more about what sort of makes it happen for you and what kind of keeps driving you to keep doing it. Why, why have a podcast? I've been doing this for like four years now. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> why have a podcast? <laughs> um, I, as much as I do get anxious talking to people, um, I like it. Like the anticipation to talking to somebody I've never met is very scary, but as soon as it starts, it's fine. You know, that's always how it goes for me. Like, uh, I, I, I like to think I can be 
a people person in my mind. I feel like I'm not because that's just the overthinking. Um, but my girlfriend makes fun of me because she's like, you keep saying you don't, you don't like talking to people or you get anxious talking to people. But then she's like, everybody loves talking to you. Like it just, if I'm at the bar, just cause I'm a, I try to be a friendly person and that's like people, if nothing else, like to just talk to a friendly person. And that's where I think I fall into. Um, so I, I was like, maybe I can like talk to like some interesting people, like make a podcast out of it and just like kind of do what Joe Rogan's doing. It just kind of like, like feed off of other people's like interesting job or in, like hobby or like career, like whatever it is, like just have them talk about it, ask them some questions, find some like similar similarities and like differences and like have a conversation about whatever it is. Um, Cause there's a ton of interesting people out there that aren't famous or aren't well known by people and they've got a lot to say. Maybe they didn't think they wanted to before, but then you ask them and they're like, yeah, why not? I'll talk about it, you know? Mm. And I've been glad that I've been able to talk to a few like really interesting people on my podcast. And um, like, I'm sure you have, you've been doing it for <laughs> four <laughs> years and it, it's, it's, it kind of makes you appreciate uh, like uh, people a little bit. Like it, it, it makes you understand that there's, there's so much more than like even your small window of like the people, you know, and the people that you find interesting that there's so many more people out there that have so many different like experiences that you don't know about. You can, you don't understand, you've never heard about like, and uh, it just kind of opens your brain up and it gets, and it gets to the point where it's like, it'd be great to just keep on doing this and try to get every like kind of experience that you can get from other people. Exactly. You know, if that makes, mm. if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and then your teaching job, I think something that because you're sort of talking about how like, Oh, different people's experiences are interesting. So like with your teaching job, uh, since you are kind of the, the last sort of, bastion of hope for someone making it through <laughs> the educational system yeah i guess what's i guess you need a lot of patience and a lot of uh kindness and i guess how do you get through to these kids that won't be taught <laughs> yeah it, it is it is very tough sometimes and i will say the the like the head teacher in my room she is like fantastic when it comes to um, like, like grounding with these kids and like understanding. And I, I learned a lot, um, from her in that sense. Um, but it, 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 it's tough because it's very individual. Um, like these are kids that like they're, they've gotten defensive. Um, like they, they have a wall up. No, nobody's right. Nobody wants to listen to them, but the one thing that they all have in common is that for them and their, in their mind, all the other adults in the building are against them. Like that's how they view their experience for a lot of them, maybe minus like a few other teachers. But when you, they walk into that room, like, I think it was like one of the first or a couple of things that me and the head teacher talked about. She's like, she's like, we're, she was talking about like, 
um, the person that was in the job before me and how they were not attentive to how the kids view their experience. And that kind of was like, oh, they like that kind of like I I understood that they viewed the school as like the school sucks, like whatever, like that was their (laughs) attitude or whatever. But then I actually tried to like think about it. And I was like, how frustrating might must it be to feel like like to have whatever it is, whether it's like medical, uh, family issues, like just your own shit going on, like whatever it is. And then to feel like all the adults that you've had or some of them just didn't care about it, mm-hmm. didn't want to hear it, didn't want to listen, didn't want to sit down and understand. And that went on for two or three years before they get to my program. Um, so I was like, how would that feel to me? Like, how would I feel? And I was like, I would be so pissed. I would be angry. I would hate coming to school. I wouldn't want to go at all. Um, and that kind of helped me become more patient to them um, and try to like level with them and just be honest with them. And a lot of them just want you to be like real with them. Like if you say, Hey, you don't pass this class, you're not going to graduate. Or if you don't like work harder towards passing this class, you're going to be here another year. Do you want to be here another year? Like you just, you don't, you can't sugarcoat a lot of it. Like they don't, they don't respond to that because, and you can't give them that. Um, Mm -hmm. cause a lot of them will find the loophole and they'll try to like wiggle their way out of like situations like that. Like they'll be like, they'll try to force you to like push them through like certain things. And it's like, they have to also find their own like self-motivation. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's a lot of learning. I don't think I am a master of it by far, but a lot of it is, patience and just listening to what they actually say um there's there's times where they're gonna try to bullshit you and like and it'll be a month long like like i'm sick i'm sick i'm sick you're not sick you're making yourself sick kind of situation um and they don't want to listen to you talk about how their anxiety over this and this and that is causing it they don't want to listen to that you know Um, so it, it comes down to just being patient and hoping that one of the days that you try to talk to them, they'll listen. Yeah. And it'll like, it'll resonate. Yeah. It seems like there's a, at least from what I've noticed in in my life that like, there's this connection between teaching and music and in a way like learning music is sort of one, like teaching yourself, but also like mm-hmm. having teachers in music and this whole connection between teaching and music is, is very important. I guess, like, what do you think about the relationship between teaching and music and how has sort of your musical experience sort of shaped that? Huh. Um, do you mean like, uh, like how I've used, like my learning of music to help understand people or things or like what? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Pretty okay. Much. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I was understanding. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it, the way that you go about like reaching out to people is like, it's, it's, it's almost like learning and like 
like it, it takes the same kind of patience and understanding um to like help these kids as it does like learning a song that you don't understand to the fullest degree you know like it's not just a four chord song okay it's got all these complicated changes and it's like you have to you have to be patient when it's like when you're learning those songs and understand you're not going to figure it out the first time through you know stuff like that and um and i i i try to be as patient as possible in my life just in general like i'm a very like i've, I've been called like very just like laid back and i try to be laid back because like you never know what's going to happen kind of thing so it's like might as well just like ride the wave kind of thing and so I try to be as patient in that. And obviously I get frustrated and I get angry just like everybody else. But one of the things that I think music has really taught me is to uh, just focus on one thing and be able to um, like be patient with that one thing and spend time on that one thing. And I think in a classroom that helps because as soon as a kid is like uh, kind of like giving me a hard time and like not doing what they're supposed to, I'm able to take a step back and kind of look at it from the whole picture, which is something that um, is, is really big for me when I'm playing in a, like playing in a band or something is um, I'm usually like kind of conducting the whole thing. Like I'm usually like giving the drummer the cues or something like, Hey, we're making this switch or Hey, it's time to end it or yelling chorus when we kind of get lost <laughs> or something. Um, and because I'm, I, I picture the song in my head as like the whole picture, you know, like the whole song is in my head and I have it like split up and that's how I visualize it so I can map it out when we're playing it. And in the classroom, that's kind of like how you have to do it. You have to look at like the kid as a whole and not just say, okay, right now they're really annoying me and they're really being <laughs> frustrated or really being frustrating. And it, it's, it's to take that step back and just like, okay, this is why they're acting like this. This is what's going on. This how, how can I get from like the point we're at right now to a point where they're working on their homework in peace and they're, and they just ask a question and like, instead of getting frustrated, if it's not working kind of thing. Um, and it's that patience, I think, in trying to look at a whole picture and understanding where it's going rather than where it's at um is i guess the is yeah, yeah. what i get from if that if that, all that made any sense <laughs> yeah <it did. laughs> um i guess so one last thing on that front before we get mm -hmm. to the harder questions um i guess what advice do you have for people who want to get better at music or want to do music or uh, want to start a podcast or want to start you know, doing all these things that see other people doing, maybe they don't know how to begin. I would say the best thing, um, especially if you're having trouble figuring out how to start it, do it and mess up a bunch, do it and mess up a bunch. Um, once you get your first podcast episode out, you learn every, like you learn so much more from listening back and going, whoo, there's a fan on in the back. Got to turn that off next time. Like, duh. Um, this type of mic doesn't work as good as this type of mic. You learn over time, just like if you pick up a guitar, pick up a guitar and learn the easiest song you've ever learned in your entire life. Like, 
and memorize it and then try to sing along with it and screw up. Like, that's just like, I, I think that messing up is the best thing, especially like with music. When you mess up, you know where you messed up. You know how it's messed up. You you find out a lot when something doesn't work immediately in music because yeah. our brains are wired to like, if you hear a song, you know, like even if you don't understand that it's a C, G, A minor, F like progression, mm-hmm. you, you understand it. Your brain like picks up the pattern. And if you pay, if you play something wrong, your brain's going to understand that that's not right now. So I, I always say like, just force yourself to mess it up. Like, like, even if you're like, I'm, I definitely don't have this down, just keep playing it and keep messing it up until like, till the motivation comes to not screw it up anymore. And then you get the focus. And when you get the focus plus the understanding of what you're doing, that's where you start to actually make that progress. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so on to the hard questions. <laughs> what is the role of spirituality or religion in your life? Um, is it okay if this is a long-winded answer? Always. Okay. <laughs> so um so my family is not super religious. We always grew up like Christian. Um like a uh, Roman Catholic kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Went to church uh, as a kid, like kind of every other Sunday, like not not inconsistently, but consistently enough. And we went to all like the, we went to like church on Christmas, Easter and all that stuff. Um, but I never really got it. Like nothing ever really clicked for me. I have one of those brains where I, I question every single thing that like I can possibly question and whether like I actually act upon it is one thing or whether or not I'm like, why are you even questioning that? That's stupid. Mm-hmm. Water is H2O. It's, the scientists aren't wrong. Um, it kind of, it, it, that was one that uh, from like when I got started to get out of elementary school and into middle school, uh, God was something that I just, I couldn't, there was no good answer that anybody has ever given me to what it like, what kind of makes religion go round kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so I became, uh, I wasn't so much against it. I just had to like, I had to like argue with it. Mm -hmm. I felt the need to, it was like that. um, Like it was like that little asshole impulse. Like somebody said, (laughs) it's like that, like, I need to ask questions and I need to like prove it wrong. Uh, it was like that need for being a dick. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and I, and I look back and I'm like, Oh, why were you like that? Perry, what were you doing? There's no need for it. Uh, but, but I did it nonetheless. Like I was, I was the kid in like religion class when my mom, my mom was the teacher <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'd be like, well, why did he do this when, like this is happening over here, you know, like what is he doing mm-hmm. here? Like, why would he, why would he kill this man's child or family just to prove a point? You know, like um, it was all very, I, I, it, it was all fair questions. The content was fair. <laughs> the execution was not, um, <laughs> it was all questions. I definitely could have been like a little nicer about in a lot of respects. And, um, and, 
when I got into high school, I would argue with people like who uh, there, there was one person who I, I'm, I'm very, uh, like friendly with like now, like if I saw them, like it's not an issue, but we used to have like really bad arguments. Uh, Mm. she was born again, Christian or her family was, Mm -hmm. and I obviously was not. Um, (laughs) and Mm. we would have very heated debates and it would get us into trouble. Um, and, uh, and so it, it wasn't until, I don't know, maybe the last three years since I started. Uh, so it religion just hasn't been like a thing. I, I don't until like a last couple of years where things started to revolve, but I'll kind of work into why that is. And a lot of it, a lot of it was that I couldn't get myself to the point where I was vulnerable with something that was not present to me, you know? And I think that's a lot of people's issue with, um, like thinking of, uh, thinking of a spirit or thinking of a God to pray to, or like thinking of anything to pray to, um, is that some, I think vulnerability in the face of nothing is kind of like, a concept that's hard to grapple onto. Um, cause that's essentially what you're doing. Like you're, you're praying to something that you feel is with you. Um, and you feel is listening or you feel is going to be present in some way with you. However, however that word, however that manifests for you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I just, I couldn't get past there was just something that it didn't click with me that 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 was productive for me and Mm -hmm. not that I judge it, but that was just, that's just my, that's just my attitude, I guess, for it. And so now I, my girlfriend now, she and her family are not like super uber religious, but they Mm -hmm. do believe in God. They, um, they do like they are like Catholic and all that stuff. Um, and she is, she's very tough. Like you do not need to like, like, like there is in no world that I need to fight her own battles for her in any world. And so (laughs) to have that conversation with her versus like God or no God, um, I, in the, like, from my last relationship, and then two years into this relationship, mm-hmm. there was a lot of like self-reflection for me mm-hmm. and a lot of trying to understand my place. And um, a lot of it was kind of understanding that I just, I it going from there is no God to, I don't fucking know, you know? Yeah. Like that was kind <laughs> of like where I, and that kind of lies where I'm at except for the fact that I accept that there has, I I accept that there is something there, there is a lot that we don't know, even scientifically about things that we can't see or like particles and energies that we can't see. Mm -hmm. And to me, I think the religion and the science is something that kind of needs to combine a little bit in a lot of aspects because I think people yeah. are misplacing, um, and I don't mean this in a rude way, but I think over time 
the understanding of God has manifested the wrong way. Not to yeah. say that people aren't believing in the God that they believe they should be, but I think just uh, logistically, <laughs> when you're looking at the mm-hmm. book and how it was written in like a Bible or the Quran or the Torah, like whatever you're reading, um, the way that God is manifested is completely different than how it was originally written, how he was, he in quotations, because it's it's technically mm-hmm. in it. Like that's that's how yeah. it's written. It's written as it and we turned, like the English translation was he. So Mm -hmm. that's another, those are issues as well. But uh, I think the manifestation of what Jesus and God are now were completely different than how people felt about it back then. And I I was a history major for a while. And that was, I took like two different Bible classes or two different religious classes. And Mm -hmm. that was one thing that um, we learned about was the actual what people actually meant back then when they were writing um, and the translations that have skewed things. Right. Mm -hmm. So like the uh, King James Bible is one of the most notorious Bibles for being wrongly trans translated. And yet it's the most popular Bible ever sold. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of like that, like, huh? So for the last, 1500 years <laughs> we've been yeah. reading a we've been popularizing a bible that is known for not being the best translation of what they were trying to say contextually so and that's why we have things like people saying like uh in the bible it says that gay people can't get married well no the translation was wrong it actually means pedophile so mm. pedophiles should not should be stoned beaten whatever it was whatever the exact line is but it got translated to homosexual and that's mm-hmm. like obviously not what they meant contextually because mm-hmm. the other lines prove that so it's stuff like that that um i think the 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 wrong the wrong notions um and then like you see marketability when you talk about like Jesus being a white guy, Jesus is not a white guy. Um, like it's just stuff like that, where I think it's been very commercialized to like a certain uh, ideal and it, and it's not what it is or not, not what it was. Um, and whether that's right or wrong, that's a whole different argument, but I, I don't agree with, I don't agree with it. So I guess in the long run, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm at a point where I, I, I think that there is some, there is some mystery left and I have no idea what that mystery is. And I don't, I don't have a way of uh, letting it not control me versus controlling me or like leading me and not leading me, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um like I don't, I don't have a relationship with anything more than, um, I guess my gut feelings, yeah. um, which some people say like is part of like your relationship with something more, but I, I don't know kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that long rambling kind of answer is exactly why I asked that question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, earlier you had mentioned that like you had never received any sort of description or explanation of God that like 
made sense to you. And therefore I asked this question, what is your definition of God? Um, the best way I've been able to, uh, I, the best way I've been able to describe how I feel like God works is that it, it, it's not nothing physical in terms of like something you can like, that's tangible. There's nothing tangible about it. Mm -hmm. Um, but the way that I view it is kind of like, <laughs> it sounds really stupid, but this is the best way I can kind of like mm -hmm. ground it to people who um, might not get what I'm trying to say in a long-winded way. Um, think about the forest and Jedi mm. where there, <laughs> there is, and not obviously as like prominent as that is, but that there is a nature to the way that the world or like that the universe flows in. Like there is like there's energy, you know, like that's something that scientists have figured out. There is a kind of motion to the ocean, um, to the way that the universe flows. What causes that motion is what my question kind of becomes like the answer of, well, maybe that like kind of thing that keeps pushing the universe round and round that we don't quite understand to the fullest is what we consider like God. Yeah. And I think those energy, like, I, I think the way that the earth flows, like it always is moving. So we like, no matter what you do tomorrow is still going to come. Right. Yeah. And I think that forces us into this, uh, role of like a destiny that like that, like we, we have, we have more to do because there's going to be more to do. Um, mm -hmm. And that we are going to be doing something because there is something, you know, like it, no matter what you do, the next day is going to come. So how do you like continue your story? Well, you, you create it. Yeah. You know, like you create your own like kind of good and bad mojo. Like it's, it's just like playing a video game where your decisions mean everything. Like, Mm -hmm. you tell this person to fuck off and they try to kill you 20 minutes later <laughs> in a different scene. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so I guess I haven't decided whether or not I believe that we have completely done this to ourselves, like created a meaning for the reason that we keep like perpetuating our existence um, because it all becomes very, very convoluted as soon as it like kind of unravels, like, mm -hmm. um, because you, you, you can talk to somebody and you can say, well, yeah, I just have a gut feeling because my, like my conscience is telling conscience is telling me something like it's telling me that that's the right thing or that's the wrong thing to do. And some people say, well, that's your relationship with God. Like mm -hmm. that's your relationship with like the motion of the ocean of the universe kind of thing. Um, and some days I am like, okay, that sounds good. Yeah. I like that idea. And then other days I'm like, I don't know. I think I just consciously am like knowing that we have rules in place that we created. And I know the societal rules that this says, no, I shouldn't do that. Cause that's not right. Or, or maybe I shouldn't do that. Cause that's not the best thing for me, you know, um, because of the things that, have made me who I am as I got older. And so 
it, it's it's tough to say what it, it kind of goes day by day by me with different things um what i believe god really is but i think it has a, i think my main thing right now is believing that it is like that like thing that keeps the universe moving around and because we don't have anything scientifically to decide what it is you know um besides just a bunch of forces that are kind of moving all together uh it becomes well maybe that's the that's the the sentient like natural force of the universe which we could consider god and the reason that we have purpose is because we create purpose based on the fact that we have to go on you know like the fact that it has to like the days have to go we have to like make a decision you know like there's a deadline to everything there's a deadline on our lives there's a deadline on uh how long the earth's going to be around you know and whether that's a force consciously deciding those things or if that's just or if it's just the natural way of it there's no consciousness of the force then it's really irrelevant to me i think because it's going to happen either way and i think I think thinking about it too much can, can get, uh, a little, uh, a little headachey, you know, (laughs) where you're like, Mm -hmm. does it matter if there's, if there's conscious to it, if it doesn't matter if there's not, you know, it's like, well, don't you just want to know? And it's like, yeah, but like, is it productive for me to like sit here and think about it in that aspect? Or is it productive for me to just go with it? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, you had mentioned destiny earlier. And so <laughs> a prompting, I mean, these are a, a, a list of questions that I ask anyways, but sure. this is my way of segueing. <laughs> what is free will and do you believe in it? <clears throat> um, the... Yes, I think there is free will, Mm. but I don't think anybody has it. Like, I I think there is, but I don't think anybody has it. Um, I think it is anything free will to its fullest extent is stripped away from you as a child. Um, Not necessarily for bad reasons, because who knows what people would be doing if they did have free will. Um, Mm. But I don't I I don't think. I think as soon as you're born, you are like that is like kind of taken away. Um, like I, I, I think everybody falls into the role that makes them feel like they have that as much as possible. Um, <clears throat> but I don't, I don't think that. And those, and then you have the people that don't, and then they feel like they're stuck and all that stuff. And I think that's where that notion comes from is like, you believe you should have more, but there isn't. Um, so I would say, I think it exists theory, theory, uh, theory. Oh my gosh. Theoretically. Theoretically. Good Lord. (laughs) Um, but I, I don't think it's possible in Hmm. like a society for anybody to have it. Um, because it would just like if if somebody could possibly just 
make and think for themselves all the time, they would they would they would cause a lot of issues. <laughs> and I think I. I don't I don't I can't think of a good example right now of somebody fully acting because I think everybody acts within some sort of parameters you know mm-hmm. even the people that um seem to be able to just do whatever they want there's still parameters to what they're able to do whether it's um whether it's financially or somebody saying like like leading them to that thought I don't I don't know I think yeah, I think it's I think it's theoretical theory. Oh my god. <laughs> Say one more time for me. Theoretical. Theoretical. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is I say that all the time and right yeah. now I'm having trouble with it. Um <laughs> but uh I think it is it it can be it can be a pretty thought to think of, but I don't I don't think mm. it should be aspired to either. I think a lot of the problems we have in society are not due to lack of free will i think it's uh lack of empathetic thinking and i think that's that's what is actually should be important because i don't think that people should necessarily um necessarily have complete free will i don't think that's how people want it anyway i mean you get rid of like when you get married you don't have free will to just do whatever you want or make all the decisions you want like that's just not how it works. And you don't want it to be that way because you'd rather be with that person. And I think society is a similar thing. Like you have family. If you just like did whatever you wanted and like whatever, uh, I don't, I don't think that anybody would be truly happy with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I don't want to skip this question. Okay. Cause I'm trying to be mindful of uh, oh, okay. your time. And so, but <laughs> oh, I got, yeah, yeah, I got all the time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> what do you think happens when we die? <laughs> um, so the, <sighs> I, mm, I have a lot of conflicting thoughts on it. <laughs> I have very conflicting thoughts on it that I, I, there is no, there is no answer that I want to die on the mountain about. Um, mm-hmm. But I will say. But if you died on that mountain, what would happen? <laughs> <laughs> Fair point. Uh, well played. Uh, I would say, yeah, it, 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 I think I'm okay with nothing. Mm. Like if I'm, I think I'll go with that route. So if I, I would say, everybody should be okay with nothing. I'm not saying there is nothing, but I think everybody should be okay with nothing. I think the perspective on life should be that the fact that it does like end at some point that, that like, I I think people don't think about that too much. Mm -hmm. Like everybody understands that they die, but like, I, I think when people start thinking of an afterlife, they start uh, minimizing the effect that they can have on this life. And that is where you have people only doing good things for the sake of getting to that afterlife, you know? And I'm not saying everybody does that. And I'm not saying that's the reason everybody does that, but um, 
I think if everybody accepted or not accepted, but lived it, like they wouldn't get an afterlife. The world would be a different place because of it. Like, I think it would be, um, I think it would be really, really different. And I think it would be better. I think that, um, I think that a lot of people do things not thinking about the fact that like whatever, whenever you die, like you, you don't get to tell your story anymore. Mm -hmm. Your story is what people know, people thought about you and the stories that they want to tell. And you, you don't get to play any part in that anymore. So if you were a multi-billion dollar asshole, when you die, you're a multi-billion dollar skeleton, you know, like that's just, that's, that's it. That's your legacy. Like, and is that okay with you? And if that's okay with you, then I guess that's your prerogative. But the way that I look at it is kind of like, if, if you say to yourself, if I am looking back, if I'm like dying in my, dying in my bed, 95 years old, whatever it is, and you say, everything I did to this point was because I did it for happiness for like family and not to not necessarily to the societal standard of what you're supposed to do quote unquote Mm. like are you going to die at that moment not necessarily like peaceful because obviously like you're you're dying but like if you can say at that moment that like it's okay for my story to no longer continue without me or with me then like i think that's what you should be aiming for not so much to be ready for death or ready to be but like whatever you're leaving is are you okay with what you're leaving behind to be uh to be your story you know yeah like yeah. are you ready for that are you is that okay with you um mm-hmm. whether something comes after I, it's one of those things where i really want there to be something and I really wish, I really hope it's Asgard. <laughs> It'd be great. Go to Valhalla. Yeah. Um, <laughs> drink, drink some beer with, yeah. with the gods. Thor, cool. Odin. Yeah. I'm playing a lot of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. that's the. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> jumping forward to maybe some of the happier questions uh (laughs) what are you optimistic about for our future i think so i i say this to people i say this to people a lot there we're in um one of the most crucial and unprecedented times that like any person in history has ever kind of experienced um even when you just talk about like technology the leaps that we make every like year and a half is more than all of human history prior to these like drum these jumps so mm-hmm. we are in probably the most insane technological advance that the human race is like has ever seen like even from our perspective um like you look at even like perspective wise 
we're still making greater jumps that anybody has ever perceived in history. And not only that, but we're socially going through crazy, like major, major changes politically. Mm. We're getting sick of a lot of aspects of politic, uh, like the political parties and the way politics are managed, the way we're treated as uh, like civilians and societies and um, the way that we're treated as people is just we're not we're not happy with it as a whole and i think everybody like kind of agrees on this and whether or not they want to believe it like politicians they're not going to last the next 30 40 years the way that they are Mm -hmm. and i don't think i don't think they're prepared for that and i think we are and that's that's the point that we're at and um i'm optimistic that by the time that I have grandchildren, maybe 30 years from now, whatever it becomes, that they will be growing up in a changed system. And I think that I don't think that that's far fetched with the way that we like the way that everybody acts. Like you even look at the last this this election that happened less than a month ago or a little more than a little more than a month ago. Hmm. Nobody liked either one. Like yeah. there's, it was, it was that battle of like, well, all right, I guess I'm just voting for whoever is going to gain the power in the Senate or the house of representatives, whoever's going to, whichever policies, I guess I agree more with, uh, not that they actually believe it, but you know, it's like that, <laughs> like it, it, is, it is such like, it's so, uh, it's so demoralizing when you're looking at it because you're sitting there like. 60s they had jf like jfk everybody Mm -hmm. everybody had that like hope you know like even if you didn't really like him and even when you're talking about like bush versus gore like nobody was ready to like kill the other side over it you know what i mean like so i think we've we're getting to the point where like we need to realize that we're not fighting amongst amongst ourselves right now we're fighting amongst like things that the politicians are creating for us to fight you know they don't want us to like argue with them they want us to argue with each other because then they can do whatever they want and i think people don't want to believe that because that's quote unquote conspiracy theory stuff but it's not when it happens a hundred thousand times throughout history that politicians Mm -hmm. do this when you give them a certain amount of power and they start to abuse it so i the way that i look at it is from a historical standpoint that this is not something that's like conspiracy theory stuff where the government starts to say we're getting comfortable with the amount of power that they, that we have and the little leeway that we've had. It's like, now it's kind of like, Oh, the citizens are starting to learn a little bit about it and they're starting to get some leaks and like, they understand that we're, we've been watching them since 2004 (laughs) (laughs) and stuff like that. So it's, uh, I, I think that if people start to decide to work together, even if they disagree on policy, that they can work together towards getting the people that can work together. Because so I don't think people don't want to work together. I think everybody wants the best for everybody, and they have different ways of thinking about that. But what politicians have effectively tried to do in the last 10 to 15 years is completely take away our motivation and our expectation 
that we can like come to an agreement, like that we can find the middle ground <laughs> and, and we act like it doesn't exist. Yeah. And that to me is like, that's like, as soon as people realize that they've taken away that option, people are going to say, okay, well, why can't we like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Politicians don't have an answer for that. They say, oh, well, they don't want to do it. And then the other side goes, oh, well, they didn't want to do it. And it's like, okay, well, that's your job. Yeah. It's to do <laughs> these things. Like, and you don't just say, well, we wanted to do it, but the other side didn't. Oops. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, no, your job is to find the, like the middle ground so that we all get some sort of what we like, some sort of the aspect that we want. Mm-hmm. And they're just half-assing it. And so what I'm optimist, optimistic about is that we're going to have a really rough time politically in the next 10 to 15 years. And then it'll be 15 to 20 years of kind of weeding out. And then by the time that like, like my grandchildren or something are growing up that they'll be voting for people that actually represent people. And maybe it's optimistic to think it's too quick. <laughs> it's quick. It's going to be quick <laughs> like that. But mm-hmm. I, I think with the way that information is moved so quickly right now and how fast people can uh, read about things and like talk and just listen to each other. Um, I think if people, as soon as people choose to actually listen to people and not just listen to the loudest voice, but actually genuinely listen and talk to people, um, I think that's where it all it, things will change, but people have to want to do that. They can't just like blindly go on Facebook and like scream at each other yeah, or mm-hmm. listen to the politicians who make them think that they should be doing that, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> therefore Yang 2024. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> three, three more questions. Uh, what makes you content? Um, (laughs) I don't think like complete contentness. I don't think that I have it. (laughs) I don't, and not in a bad way. I think in a motivational Mm -hmm. way, I don't have it. Um, I have one of those, like, as soon as I do something, I'm critical of it. Um, Mm -hmm. and all the, that doesn't take away my satisfaction with like, okay, I did it. That's that, that sounded good, but the complete intentness of like, it went perfectly. I'm like, that's great. I'm happy with it. That just doesn't exist. I don't think for me at least. (laughs) Um, But I think contentness is for me, if I was to ever find the actual content, um, it would be when I'm retired, sitting on a porch with like my now girlfriend and just like sipping morning coffee on a Sunday morning, knowing that like we're retired, our bills are paid. We get to see family like when they're like available. And then we just get to like enjoy our lives without worrying about like work or like, Oh, are we going to get this? Are we going to do that? Are we going to do this and that? It's like, the only thing that you have there is like that other person and you're just like, you get, you just get to do whatever you kind of want to do at that point, you know? And I think that's where I find like, like thinking about that makes me want to work hard now so that I can have that, you know? 
Yeah. So <laughs> no contentness now for all of it later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what advice do you have for people in general? Uh, don't take yourself seriously. Hmm. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy uh, failing a little bit, you know, like don't, don't make failure a habit, but make sure that you can, you, you have the opportunity to learn from your failure. Like don't be afraid to, and, but learn from your mistakes. I think the toughest thing for people to do is to break habits within their brain that they've developed over years and years and years. Like I'm a terrible procrastinator when it comes to school and to break that is really tough. But I think the more times that I had to hand on a paper late, the less likely I was to do it like that next time. And I think the same thing goes for everything else. If you are talking to somebody and you tell a story, it's not going to be good the first time. You know, very few people have like a story, a good story for the first time. But the more that you talk about it, like the sixth or seventh time, you got that story down pat. So yeah. I think that's a good like representation of like how everything is kind of going to be like your first day on the job is not going to be good, but maybe a weekend you're going to be starting to understand everything. You know, Yeah. you have a kid, the first day is not going to be easy, mm -hmm. but a few months down the road, you get into a rhythm, right? you have to let yourself fail. Just don't make it an, a habit of failing. It's, it's about allowing yourself to do it, but not defining yourself by it. You know, yeah. um, it's the learning that is the most important part of that. Awesome. Lastly, potentially most importantly, <laughs> cake or pie. Oh boy. There's so many variables. Um, <laughs> Oh boy. Um, I would say pie because pumpkin pie is my favorite dessert. And I like that more than any cake I've had. So that's, that's why not because go. I, yeah, not because I think every pie is better than every cake, but because pumpkin pie for me is better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perry, thank you so much for doing this with me. Yeah, of Where course. can we find you and your things? Oh yeah. I didn't even come. I don't know why I didn't have that prepared. I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, so you can find me on, uh, Facebook is the, has everything like in the links and everything like that. So if you go to Facebook and you go to like the off topic pod, um, like up in your, uh, URL, you can do that. Or you can search at, uh, the off topic pod and it's a little blue logo, um, that says off topic. And then you click on that page and, um, you can like, like it, uh, follow it, whatever you can do. Um, I'm on Instagram at the off topic pod as well. Um, and you can listen to the podcast on pretty much anything right now, whether it's Spotify, Apple music or Apple podcast, uh, Amazon music slash podcast, uh, Stitcher. I think it's on there. Um, it's, it's, I, I, try to throw it on as many things as possible. Um, yeah. And then I also have the direct link on that Facebook page. So the best thing that you can do is go to that Facebook page and follow, like, like the page. And then you can find everything uh, right in the description. Cause that'll have all that. And then um, 
all the information on when I have new podcasts coming out. <laughs> well, awesome. <laughs> so definitely check that out. Uh, once again, thank you so much for yeah, doing thank this you with for me. Having me. <laughs> I'm Santiago Ramones. I am Perry Ramsey. You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music. Bloom is available now, streaming everywhere. Put it on in the background or show it to your friends so you can all enjoy it together. You can also buy it on Bandcamp and get bonus content so you can sit alone in the dark with your headphones on and listen to the album in its entirety while reading and looking at the bonus content. I also make music with PowerCycle, an experimental electronic trio. Our first completely improvised album, Too Many Damn Cables, is streaming everywhere. To support this podcast, leave reviews, comments, tell your friends about it, and buy my music, because by supporting me, you're supporting the podcast. I always end the podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are, love never fails, it's going to be okay, I might be wrong. 